0: Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Person podcast, a twice-monthly podcast for people who experience the world intensely. Join me on a journey of acceptance of our highly sensitive person traits. Welcome to episode 67 of the Highly Sensitive Person podcast. I'm your host, Kelly. This podcast is all about topics related to having sensory processing sensitivity. Today, my guest is Al Motter of the Introvert Extrovert Podcast. The podcast is an examination of life as both an introvert and an extrovert because Al's co host on the show, Johnny, is a highly sensitive extrovert. And I interviewed Johnny back in episode 60. But Al, my guest today, is an introvert who does not have the trait of high sensitivity. At least we think he doesn't. And we'll talk more about that later in this episode. Al is a developmental psychologist, and we became friends a few months ago when I was on his show, and Al has lots of great insight into being highly sensitive because he's not, and because he just thinks about this stuff a lot. Al, thanks so much for being on the show today
1: thank you for having me i appreciate it you know i've uh, i've been a fan and i've been listening and i was hoping that i would have an opportunity to talk to you one because i was jealous of johnny and um two because you guys were uh laughing at my kidney stones uh <laughs> on if you listen to that uh, episode towards the end there he, he was saying that uh, i couldn't talk to him about uh, having kidney stone pain because it hurt him right and then uh also I recently had some experiences where I got to, you know, take a little step into your guys' shoes because I've had the longest, most difficult time understanding what it's like to be more highly sensitive because I'm not, I'm really not very sensitive to stuff at all. Uh, it takes a lot for me to like feel and I've been jealous, uh, Hmm. of the, the conversations I hear you have with people. I've been, I really love like when you had uh, Oliver Berkman on and when you had uh, Amy Moran and uh, you had Nikki on there um, that they you all seem to just have this like understanding of what's going on. And I've always wished I had uh, I wish I understood what was what it was like to really feel something intensely because I really I don't.
0: That's so interesting, and that's an interesting thing I think for a lot of us HSPs to hear is because we never think about that.
1: Well, I think you always think about the bad side of it, that when, uh, when something's overwhelming and you feel like you shouldn't be upset about mm-hmm. it. I remember you were talking about crying in an episode and how when you get in front of people that you feel this embarrassment that almost makes you more likely to cry. And um, I'm the exact opposite. If, if I'm in a situation where I, f- where I guess I would feel like crying, I get angry And I get less likely to cry and I get more likely to get upset, uh, like physically upset. So I had to learn to control myself. So now I just kind of don't feel anything at all. But anger
0: is still an emotion.
1: Well, see, that's the thing. I can control it enough. Like if you were really upset and you feel like crying, you need to leave the room because you're going to go have a cry no matter what. You just don't want people to see it. I get angry. I'm like, okay, (sighs) Fine.
0: Yeah. You know how to deal. I'm with
1: angry that. now. You know, it's like, yeah, that's how I get angry, by the way. I'm like, Ugh, I'm angry now.
0: So I wanted to ask you when you're talking about how you're very not sensitive, what are, mm. can you give me some examples of ways that you feel like would be very different than how a highly sensitive person would react to something that illustrate how you're not very sensitive?
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay. So as uh, I'm definitely very introverted and I have a job where I work with students or or the job I have right now is I work with students. I tutor them uh, uh, with SAT and ACT or any kind of uh, college entry kind of testing and um they are very upset sometimes uh where they're stressed out they're trying to you know they're working on the rest of their lives they're only 17 18 year olds they're very emotional and they'll actually sit down and break down and cry in front of me because they're having such a hard time and i'm trying to feel that but i just sit there and look at them and think uh, okay do we need a tissue <laughs> do um Do we need to take like five minutes because I really need to get through this time testing right now and you need to stop crying because it's weird. And I just – I don't know. Uh, Also, when I had kidney stones, I was in a lot of pain. Apparently, it's supposed to be very – one of the most painful things and I remember laughing, thinking about how much it hurt. When I first got it, I woke up to the pain and um, it was like kill me now pain uh, in, in my my body. It would almost be like if you woke up and you were giving birth to a baby, to a baby rock, okay. uh, I guess, is what it would be um, similar to uh, internally. And I felt this horrendous pain. And I remember I called my stepdad and he said I kept laughing often. <laughs> but, I mean, it was so blindingly painful. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move. I couldn't even make full sentences, I couldn't do anything. But the whole time I was sitting there going, this is ridiculous how much it hurt. And I kept laughing.
0: (laughs) I guess it's just a different way of dealing with it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it didn't make me feel any better. It just, I thought how ridiculous this is that this hurts so much. It wasn't, um, there was no, you know, like make it stop and oh, blah, blah. It's just like, gosh, this really hurts a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I think uh, you've described before how like something will really move you like you love your flowers and you love your dog you love you know in my life i mean like i'll I'll look at things and go like wow that's gorgeous so let's is there other gorgeous things around here you know kind of like i never really stop and notice i well i see it i feel it but my body just goes yeah boy that is Mm -hmm. great yeah Moving on, you know, kind of thing going on. It just – it doesn't stop and uh, recognize. Maybe I'm highly sensitive and I just am in denial. Uh, I I don't know. But it just – it doesn't – things just don't impact me. I I mean I could be overwhelmed by something and then my body will just go, boy, you're overwhelmed. Anyway.
0: Yeah, that was going to be what I was going to ask next is you ever experience overstimulation.
1: Only through smell. Uh, I have a really good sense of smell. Oh, and uh, hearing. So I guess sometimes I could be overwhelmed by like noise. But then again, at the same time, I love casinos where it's so much noise that it actually does affect me. And I love being affected, but I need a whole bunch of noise to get to that point.
0: And the last show I did was about the worst places in the world for HSPs. And, well, one of the places I listed was a casino. And I, because I hate being at casinos for lots of reasons, just the lights, the sound feel overwhelming to me. I also feel this emotional thing too. I feel like I see a lot of people there who seem elderly, you know, a lot of older people there who seem alone. And I just Mm -hmm. kind of... even. Who knows if they are lonely or sad, but I kind of assign this feeling to them like, oh, they seem really sad, and this is maybe this is all they have. And so that I feel really sad for everybody. But anyway, it's interesting to hear you say that even though you're an introvert, which I also am, you're probably not a highly sensitive person. So you actually no. enjoy all of the Very noise and the so. lights and the little music.
1: I love the music. I even love how the music of the different machines overlays over one another. So it makes us just like, wall of sound yes, yeah I hate that <laughs> I love a good cacophony
0: but I also can understand and can appreciate how one might like the anonymity of it where there's so many people and there's so much stuff going on that you can just blend into the crowd you don't have to talk to anybody you can be all alone and introvert yeah. away so I can understand that aspect of it
1: Well yeah because you could be alone in that blanket of mm-hmm. noise and lights and confusion and everybody else is in their own little world and it's almost sounds it almost feels like I'm in a blanket. A big blanket of sound, and I love it.
0: And it's this sort of lost in a crowd thing is something I also wrote about recently about how I actually love big cities to an extent. Uh, I used to live right outside New York City, and I loved going down on the weekends and spending time in the city. And a lot of HSPs might say, how could you possibly like a big city? It's so overwhelming. And, you know, the smells, the sounds, the people. And, yeah, I get that. But there's also – Well, a little bit of high sensation-seeking, too, which is kind of exciting for me. Mm -hmm. But you can feel lost in a crowd because there's so many people around. Nobody's paying attention to you. No one cares about you. You can be as weird or as crazy as you want and do whatever you want and have a good time.
1: Right, You were talking about uh, Benihana Mm. on that episode, too. I love Benihana. Yeah, so
0: Benihana is a restaurant for anyone who might not be familiar with it. I think it's mostly in the United States, and it's considered, I, I think, like a Japanese steakhouse or hibachi grill type thing.
1: What I love is that they sit there and, you know, they make noise. And so it takes the focus away from me because I'm a really big guy. And so a lot of times when I go into places and sit down, people just look at me, which I don't particularly like. Um, In fact, some people have come over and asked if I play sports Mm. or do some other things. And it's just like, no, no, go over there, please. I'm done with you. And um, at that case, there's this guy flipping around, you know, utensils and throwing potatoes and making an onion ring fire volcano. And so they're not looking at me at all. And so I love that. That's great. Yeah. I love the distraction. I love that I can get like some kind of sensation. And I love that it's not people looking at me. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. I love video. Oh, I, video.
0: I don't great. like it. And the clinging and clanging of the cooking implements and their smokiness in the air. and Oh, it just drives me crazy. And also the feeling like I have to be watching the show in front of me. Like when I go out to dinner, I like to talk to the people I'm with. And the fact that I have Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, here's the show. I've seen it like a million times. I have to sit here with a nice, happy face and sit through it again. I don't know. Maybe I'm just grumpy.
1: uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. maybe. You know, sometimes you have to just ask yourself. I had to ask myself that question when I was uh, kind of discovering my introvertedness. It's like, am I just kind of a jerk? And I don't (laughs) like to... I just don't like hanging out with people. And after a while, I didn't hang around with anybody at all for a period of time. And I was like, no, no, no. I like people. I like helping people. I think I'm a nice person because I go out of my way to help people when I really don't have to. But boy, does it tire me out. So I just... That was kind of like my, oh, I just need to do it in moderation (laughs) and to make sure I'm aware of, uh, you know, kind of what's going on. And that's
0: a good question maybe we should all ask ourselves once in a while. Am I an introvert or an HSP or am I just a jerk? (laughs) (laughs) I think no I'm joking (laughs)
1: or both you could be both or or all of the above Uh, but at
0: the same time they're not
1: mutually exclusive. doesn't
0: really benefit (laughs) you to beat yourself up either like if you're worried oh maybe I'm I'm such a bad person I'm so mean I'm a jerk well it doesn't really do any good to beat yourself up you're probably not a jerk you're probably just overthinking things
1: right although I gotta admit sometimes I am kind of a jerk and thank goodness I'm not sensitive because I don't care (laughs) 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 like boy that guy's a jerk yep
0: Hey everyone, I'm going to take a quick break from the interview for a minute, change gears, because I want to tell you about a resource I think you might be interested in. My friend and colleague, Andy Mort, runs The Haven, which is a private membership site for highly sensitive people. It's completely dedicated to providing HSPs with a place to learn and understand more about who they are and to explore how they can make their unique and gentle impact in this noisy world. There's already two years' worth of really interesting content available in the Haven, like high-quality videos, collaborative projects, interviews, and more, which I know because I'm a member. It's been created specifically to help support, encourage, and inspire HSPs. My favorite part is the private Facebook community that is friendly and welcoming. Registration to the Haven is only open for a few days. It closes at midnight on July 21st. There's no contract and no obligation, and space is limited. It's only $1 to try it out for the first month, and you can cancel any time, so why not check it out, right? You can learn more about The Haven and sign up by going to highlysensitiveperson.net slash haven. Now back to the interview.
1: I'm very sensitive to subtleties. I see them, and I feel them. I just am not overwhelmed by them. In any way, shape, or form, except for recently. I recently had kind of an experience where uh, I was very much feeling sensitive for about a good month or so. Um, so what happened? Okay. So I, I, I don't want to it, – it's almost even a trigger now at this point. Uh, so I don't want to go into it in too much depth. Also, we covered it on the podcast, uh, Intro Extrovert Podcast. Check that yes. out. Uh, and I um, – I, so I was having a hard time because I found out I had kidney stones around uh, Thanksgiving and so I was kind of suddenly dealing with constant pain management and I was just hurt all the time. Um, I work with kids over uh, – that sometimes don't do what I say and then they don't do well and then they blame me because they have no one else to blame and they don't want to blame themselves. So I don't have a lot of control over that. So – it's kind of stressful having a job where you don't really have a lot of control and the control is left to not even an adult. It's, uh, you know, a kid that's trying to cover their butt. Right. And also sometimes they would just do stuff, you know, that was dumb. Uh, like they wouldn't get s- – they would lie about something and so they were like lying to their parents uh and then they would say, Oh no, well Al told me to do something or that. And so they would actually throw me under the bus really hard. And this is how I make my living right now. And so they were affecting my job with their lies, mm-hmm. which kind of it I you would expect because a lot of people don't really know themselves at that point. And I don't blame them, but it definitely hurt me. So I didn't have the anger, but I saw the lack of paycheck if <laughs> you know, if I had to stop working with someone. So it, you know, it was obvious. And so I was getting stressed out about that. Mm-hmm. So dealing with pain and then uh, I had a loss. I uh, My uncle died uh, who was uh, kind of like my mentor and so I was upset about that. And so all this stuff, it was the end of the year. Everything kind of came to a head and I was feeling kind of anxious and so I – didn't have any anxiety medication uh i've we've both talked with amy marin and uh she's expressed that anxiety is one of the most Mm -hmm. treatable and i've heard this as well when i was going to school that anxiety is a very treatable thing at this point
0: such a relief to hear
1: yeah if you actually just go in and talk to someone they there's lots of ways to treat anxiety whether it's through medication or through therapy so you know that's a good thing so i went over to um like urgent uh, mental health services just because I was like I'm really overwhelmed uh, because there's just too much stuff going right now and I think I either need to talk to someone or I need some medication. Unfortunately, I went too late at night and it was like 1030 on a Friday. So I was submitted to emergency psychiatric uh, care and that meant they had to hold me until uh, there was a psychiatrist. This is one of my things that tells me I'm not a high, uh, highly sensitive person because I went in there and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this then. <sighs> All right. Let's do this. And I did. I was I was committed. I I had to commit myself for uh, you know, a a period of time and unfortunately it was understaffed and over it was right after um Cinco my own. Hmm. So uh, there was a lot of just people that were, had drunk and, and gotten so drunk that they were put into like a, uh, you know, uh, under observation because they were a threat to themselves or others. And so I was just filled with this place. of, And the only thing that really bothered me was I didn't want to talk to anybody. Hmm. I just wanted to sit there and do my yeah. thing. People were getting in fights and screaming about how they didn't belong here. And I would just be sitting there eating my Vegetarian uh, option meal where I was sitting there going like, oh, God, could you go over there and do that? Because yeah. I'm just really just
0: trying to get through this.
1: Yeah, it's trying to get through this, and so I got through the whole thing. Uh, I ended up staying there 36 hours or something along those lines because just no one got to me. And finally, when they did, it only took like four or five hours mm-hmm. um, to get out. And then uh, they gave me a medication that that just did not agree with me that was like an anti-anxiety medication that they said you should take this for a while. And so it threw my brain chemistry off and it made me very, very sensitive, Hmm. very hyper, hyper sensitive. So tell us about that. Yeah, uh, there was uh, a discussion between me and uh, my therapist uh, afterwards and she said that – Generally, if there was a one to 10, uh, scale of sensitivity that I would run at about a three, one being like, you know, numb and 10 being like you're actively having a panic attack. Mm-hmm. That if the average person or I don't even believe in average, if standard you would run about a five, that I run at about a two and a half or three oh. and that a, a highly sensitive person would probably run at about it like a six mm. or, you know, like a little bit more apt to, you know, be affected by something or upset by something. And uh, she said, I was probably running at about an eight at that point where I was literally every 48 hours, I couldn't go 48 hours without possibly having some kind of panic or anxiety attack where I had to take constant medication. So I was super hypersensitive. And she said that my body would naturally work its way back to where it was happy, which was, you know, about a three. But during that time, I spent about three weeks being super hypersensitive. You know, everything affected me. You know, like if I had the wrong meal, I felt like I was going to have a panic attack. If I had too much salt, uh, if I, you know, got stuck in traffic, I thought I was going to have a panic attack. If I didn't get enough sleep by an hour, I thought I was going to have a panic hmm. attack. And these are things that I, you know, have done my entire life with no care and no notice. And then suddenly I was, you know, like over affected. And then I got to this happy medium point for about a week Where I was probably running at about a six, where I was not gonna like have a panic, but I noticed things affected me so much more than they had ever had before. Um, Where I would, you know, I watched a movie called Meet the Robinsons and I was practically in tears at the end. Um, I was, uh, I I remember I was getting teary watching an ad on, you know, just regular TV. I, um, but then also I saw something oh i saw like a a a movie that was making me so happy and then i was listening to music that was making me so i was listening to your podcast and i was (laughs) like i was just so just like wow this is great i definitely have had kind of that experience i was sad that it only lasted for a week and at this point i am definitely not i'm back to my non-sensitive self again but the doctor described it to me that it's Maybe better to be somewhat sensitive in many ways because, although through discussion, she and I uh, kind of worked it out. So it's almost like a car alarm, or maybe even someone like telling you your body like sounding off that there's something wrong, is that your alarm or that, you know, voice that tells you something's wrong is a little louder than other people's. Mm. But at least it's telling you there's something wrong. Right. My body only whispers.
0: Huh.
1: It whispers. It says like, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of thing. You're in massive pain. You should do something. <laughs> um, but I don't know if you've ever watched a scary movie. I wouldn't suggest it because uh, I found that I could not watch scary or uh, kind of violent movies while I was in my uh, sensitive uh, point oh, there.
0: Why not? Like what um, happened if you tried to?
1: Uh, I got scared. I got nervous. I got sick. I actually felt like nauseous uh, a little bit uh, suddenly and then uh, now I'm okay again.
0: Do you know why that medication made you feel more sensitive?
1: Yeah. Uh, It was a mix between like a – they call it a CSN. It makes it so you can't uh, feel so – But it actually – it affects your brain chemistry enough that you don't feel stuff as much. It, it almost completely – like your body doesn't have a reaction to things. So it takes you to almost nothing. It's suppress. It's a suppressant for uh, the stimulus hmm. that uh, your body goes through. Um, and then at the same time, I was also taking an SSRI, uh, which is a simple serotonin reuptake inhibitor, uh, which was something like Prozac. And so it basically means that you – uh, your more your body becomes more able to be susceptible to the serotonin that's in your body, uh, that that's made naturally. So all of a sudden, I was taking both of these, so it was like it was bringing me down. But then it, I was also having to like a central, and then at the same time, I was also taking something that was making me feel uh, a little bit perkier, I guess, at the same time, and but and sensitive to to things, and so. I had actually made myself into a more highly sensitive person through medication, I guess. Um, and uh, so my body chemistry was great, but since I'm not used to that, and my body's not happy at that point, it eventually rolled back over to my non-sensitive self. Oh. But
0: well, not that you're non-sensitive; you're just not like.
1: That's what the doctor kept calling it. Called it, it. non-sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's funny because you know, Dr. Elaine Aaron, she, uh, she, you were saying on one of your podcasts that she. Called it, uh, you know, highly sensitive just because she couldn't think of something mm-hmm. better. Um, well, I think even worse so, you know, you and you've said like, boy, that's not a good name for it. Well, even worse so is the opposite is non-sensitive. because right. it makes just, you sound like just a jerk. And she has
0: actually, <laughs> you know? Dr. Elaine has, I can't remember if it was in her documentary or, or somewhere where she said you shouldn't call someone non-highly sensitive. You could say Mm -hmm. they don't have the trait or something like that. It's kind of a clunky way to say it, but it's not great to be like non highly sensitive. So it's all of these words are a little tricky to get around. But hopefully, people get the gist. Well, it's
1: all just part of the like the lexicon, and and, you know, it's that you know that that it does define what it is, but it sounds bad just because of yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no. So I was not feeling the the trait of sensitivity anymore and I almost missed it. Mm. I, I felt like I was kind of discovering things. In fact, I was a lot more productive. Mm. I was doing a lot of stuff on my Tumblr page. I was doing a lot of stuff, um, going out more. I was exercising more. I was doing, you know, being more creative with my cooking. I, I continued to work. Uh, I didn't take a day off <laughs> for three weeks mm. after, uh, I, uh, was spent my weekend over at uh, the mental facility. So I, <laughs> I was working the entire time. And so the parents that I worked with said they could definitely notice a different that suddenly I was not happy. Um, because I, I, as much as you are used to it, and I, I know that you're very proud of your, your sensitivity to things at this point, except for when it's, you know, bothering you or you feel kind of crappy, but, um, that someone who's new to it, and that's why I think kids should be made aware of this so much more, and you know, like you know, parents should be aware of uh, highly sensitive traits, is that when you're new to it, it is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying, and especially if you spent your whole life being non, not very right. sensitive, suddenly, it, you're thrown into this whole different world. It is just yeah,
0: but most people don't horror, have the experience of just suddenly, like you did, you know, like just suddenly getting to feel the other side of it.
1: Right. I definitely had a a period of time where I was hypersensitive, almost to the point where it would probably be similar to being on like ecstasy, where I was like super sensitive and everything was like amazing, but that there was a week of where I just was a little bit Mm -hmm. sensitive. And I liked that. It wasn't like being it wasn't like being high. It was just like being aware. Just a little more aware. Yeah. Just a little more aware of things and a little more affected by things than I was used to. And I liked it. It was it was a good thing. That's
0: such a nice message for people who are listening, for those of us who are often thinking about all the negative things about being highly sensitive and all the things that stink about it. And then to hear your story and be like, Oh, like there are some people who are really different than us that maybe they would like to be a little more sensitive the same way we wish we were a little less sensitive. So there are two sides to okay. every coin and not everything about being an HSP is bad. There are definitely a lot of great things. And, um, I did want to say, I wouldn't say that I'm proud of being highly sensitive. You mentioned that as proud of my, uh, being <laughs> having the HSP traits because it's, it's not really something to be proud of. It's just the way I am, but, um, right. I do try to help people throughout the show to realize things that are good about being HSPs just so they don't feel
1: bad about themselves. I I think you should be proud of those traits who make you who you are. I mean that you should embrace what you are because I think that's what makes you who you are and what makes you good. So you should be embrace those things that even though sometimes they bother you or hinder you or make it a little more difficult that when you explain yourself and then when you, you know, especially when you were with your husband, I think that when you have someone that kind of, you know, balances you out a little bit, that, you know, it makes you better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 you should be proud of, 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 that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be elitist about it, saying I'm better than you, but you can be proud of something without being an, uh, you know, feel, being an elitist about so it. So
0: are you proud of the way that you are?
1: Uh, in many situations, yeah, I am. Because there, uh, sometimes when there's someone, when uh we go or when we uh when i was married i was married a while ago i i'm no longer married but um she's still my best friend we get along she's awesome um we used to go over and check out uh like paintings and you know artwork we went over to the mo uh the museum of modern art in san francisco and we'd look at stuff and i remember there was this whole chagall like thing and she was looking at it going like this is amazing and i was like yeah this is pretty cool mhm mm-hmm.
0: So,
1: (laughs) I hear there's some uh, Frida Kahlo over there. That's do you think she's highly Um, sensitive? Um, she's more sensitive than I am. That's for dang sure. Um, I definitely do not feel as intensely as she does. And from what I, you know, from what we've talked, I definitely do not feel things as intensely as you Hmm. do either. And so. Seeing the other side of the coin, I definitely see the problems with that because there's sometimes where you're just like overwhelmed with an emotion where you cannot control it and it's embarrassing. Because <laughs> uh, it, it, especially because I'm a you know I'm, I'm a big 300 pound guy who's like six <laughs> foot three and I I. You know, I played sports, and you know, I look like a, a, a lineman on a football team. And so, if I'm over there going like that, flower's so beautiful, I um, I get a lot of you know feedback, uh, poor, <laughs> bad feedback mm-hmm. about that kind of thing. So I, I'm not allowed in kind of this culture to be a sensitive person mm-hmm. for, unless I really just bully it over someone. Mm-hmm.
0: Something we've never talked about in this show is just, and you and I have talked about it just in our own conversations about how just your physicality of that. You're just a bigger person affects your life yeah. in so many ways that someone who's not a taller, bigger person like me, I would just never even think of. It's incredible.
1: Well, I think you and I, we were talking about a long time ago. I saw, well, maybe within like a couple of years ago, I saw a, a football game because I'm manly and I watch football. <laughs> I uh, was watching and there was a guy that was on the bangles that was, uh, uh they had uh one of those pink days mm-hmm. where they were everybody's wearing mm-hmm. pink for uh, breast cancer awareness and um he had just found out that his daughter had cancer and so he was really having a hard time but it's his job to show up and smash people around so he was there so that you know he could afford the chemo really expensive treatments for his his mm-hmm. kid You know, even though they get paid a lot, the treatments for cancers are really, 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 really expensive, especially private ones that are, you know, really good. The other team's cheerleaders dressed up in his number and jersey, and they put up something that, you know, this is for your daughter. And I remember he was just bawling on the sideline, and there was a close up of him just crying, and that was fine
0: manly you know so-called manly strong male athletes i think they're allowed to cry like it's okay for them to cry
1: you can be passionate about Mm -hmm. something if you're big enough because then you they say like boy they must be really passionate about it and that's and that there has to be a really good reason to cry um i'm big enough that uh, i guess if i did break down and cry that they would say like, oh, there's got to be a good reason. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that he's okay. But for the most part, they don't want to see that. They want uh, People want to see me be tough so that they can feel confident around mm-hmm. me. Especially uh, with my size, if someone feels that I'm not emotionally stable, uh, that's a terrifying <laughs> thought. <laughs> you know, that is just terrifying. While uh, on the other case, if someone's like a smaller and I guess female in our, our culture, that if you're a little more – sensitive that that's expected Mm -hmm. but it's still not okay because then they'll give you like stupid uh excuses like oh you know she's just sensitive or she's just a woman or something some horrible you know just stereotypic sexist kind of thing going on there um so i guess you're allowed to be more sensitive but you're still judged harshly Mm -hmm. about it i'm I'm assuming that sometimes I, i i remember speaking with you about uh that you were in some kind of meeting or something like that maybe it was on the podcast i uh, you know <laughs> i listened to your podcast and i feel like we're just having a conversation so <laughs> lovely uh that you would uh be you know at, at at a meeting or something like that and they were saying something like kind of horrible and you wanted to cry and you wanted to leave but you knew you couldn't and that just the embarrassment of like i don't want to cry in front of these people i don't want to give them the satisfaction oh, kind of thing
0: there's been lots of times at jobs when there's been emotional situations, whether it's some kind of conflict that I'm witnessing, even if I'm not in the middle of the conflict, it still feels so uncomfortable for me that it's just intense. And that intensity brings about emotions, including tears. And Mm. it's hard to hold that back. Also, I think I've talked about in job reviews, like if you have a six month or one month review where you meet with your boss, and they kind of just review everything about Mm -hmm. your job in general, that was always such a trigger for crying for me which is so maybe
1: that's what I'm yeah, it thinking was of.
0: so embarrassing because it, it's this is like your moment like your professional moment talking with your boss but it was so intense that that intensity mm-hmm. just led to emotion which led to tears coming out of my tear ducts it didn't mean mm-hmm. i was sad and crying it was just intensity crying right and i always had such a hard time the, the entire time i'd be in those job reviews i would just be fighting inside me of how am I. It's going to stop these tears. I wouldn't even, like, listen to what they were saying to me. It was just an act of what can I do to fight these tears. And I had all of these little tricks that I would do. Ugh. Like what? Um,
1: what did you do? Yeah,
0: actually, I wrote I'm a blog post that's a million years ago. I don't think anyone even really did okay. it. Well, f- first of all, just don't really listen to what they're saying. Think about something else. Um,
1: well, you're supposed to, like, listen so you can become better. Right. But whatnot. what's
0: more important at that moment, crying in front of my boss, it would make me look so bad.
1: I guess this is, these are the things that someone like me doesn't understand. So, yes, please keep going. Well, I, I, explain, mean, explain. I guess
0: it depends on your boss, but the bosses I had were the kind of people who would see me crying and be like, oh, that's okay. That's cool. They'd be like, what's wrong with you? Why the heck are you crying? <laughs> hmm. Because it they didn't, it wouldn't make sense to a quote unquote normal person to see me cry in a job interview. I wasn't even being like criticized. They weren't even saying bad, like, oh, you're doing a terrible job. They're usually saying like pretty good things. Why mm-hmm. oh, the heck crying would be such a weird thing? And it's unprofessional to cry in the workplace. So hmm. other things I would do is um, instead of looking at your boss in the eyes, hit in their eyes, look at something behind them or look at their chin. You know, don't look them right in the eye because that's even more like intense. Another thing I would do is maybe um, as I'm sitting in the chair, do something with my hands, maybe like pinch my leg or try to do something to <laughs> kind of like distract my mind from what's happening.
1: You know, those are the same things that Marines do uh, to deal with uh, if they're in a situation where they're being tortured. Oh,
0: gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's because of the intensity of that emotion. <laughs>
1: Is it that bad for <laughs> it's you?
0: It's not torture. It's just so hard to fight. It,
1: it sure sounds like torture. It sure sounds like, <laughs> maybe. like, like, like trying to listen to someone talk about you and like fighting back tears. That sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not physical torture, but emotional torture of some sort. Yeah, it sounds bad. Yeah, pretty I mean, bad. I wouldn't
0: want to equate it to like real torture, but personally, it was not great.
1: In situations, well, I, I guess maybe I can, I try and relate in that when I'm in a situation, like, um, I was, at a grocery store, and uh, they suddenly closed three lines, and the the two lines that were left were backed up into the aisles into the store, and nobody was coming, and everybody was just talking garbage, um, about you know what was going on. So it was just these lines where you couldn't go anywhere, surrounded by anger, and. I am very not a super social person. So like being forced around this like social situation where people are asking you like, yeah, what should we do about this and being angry about it? And I just, it hurt me so much that I, I, I left. I just dropped all my, gro- oh. I spent like an hour getting groceries and I was like, nope, done.
0: So what do you mean it hurt you? Um, it
1: just, it. I think this is the empathy part. It's like I could feel how angry everyone was and that amount of anger even affected me. Um, I even felt that. And when it was – that anger was so strong that I started to feel angry as well, I'm not okay – I'm not an okay person to be around if I'm super angry. If I was as angry as these people, I would be hurting people and there would be problems. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, you know, we should get someone fired and we should just take our stuff and leave and screw these people. And they were bumping into each other and being like, Hey, I'm waiting here too. They were like arguing about like, I was in line and you know, there was like the, cause they had diverted funny and then they were trying to combine lines and Mm -hmm. stuff. And they were actually getting to the point of almost like, you know, getting in each other's faces about like one space in line. And I was like, there's so much anger and so much just crowd and I just I just put my stuff I laughed, I put my stuff down and I left and I just was like, I'm done. Well, that here. was
0: really self aware of you and smart of you to know that you needed to remove yourself from the situation before you start yeah. to get angry yourself.
1: Right. So I mean I have that empathy yeah. where I feel the pain. Mm-hmm. I just don't have as much sensitivity to the pain. Mm-hmm. And so if I was as sensitive to it as these other people were, or, you know, someone with more sensitivity, I would be not great. Um, but I think, uh, I think maybe, maybe that's just something. Maybe I am highly sensitive and my body just realized that if I am, I'm a threat in mm-hmm. some way. And so I need to not be. So, um, cause I'm not a very aggressive person right. unless I'm just overwhelmed to the point where I. Yeah. I can't, you know, I can't do it. It's fight or flight kind of thing going on there, so my body just won't let me get there.
0: And that's an interesting scenario. What you said about the line at the supermarket—I think we've all been in a situation where there's a line that's taking forever, or something goes where something goes wrong in the line at the supermarket that starts to annoy people. Whether it's not, maybe not as extreme as the situation you explained, but something. And we've mm-hmm. all been in that situation where people get annoyed and we start to get annoyed. Why is it taking so long? And it's interesting to think of how we all have different ways to deal with that. Do we join in and do we get angry too? Or do we just say, hey, this is life. What's the big deal? Let's just chill. Or do we leave? Or It's interesting how we all deal with that in different ways. And I guess it depends on what your level of mental strength might be. as <laughs> an Amy right. Morin type thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I i am (laughs) amy and i were discussing this i'm i'm older than her i'm you know stereotypically supposed to be tougher um as a you know a big guy she's a little little lady from the the south and um i uh uh you know that she's supposed to be but i would definitely say she's more mentally strong than i am um and i and i but she might actually be even more sensitive than Mm. i am though as well and i think. There's some kind of like, you know, cultural expectations and stuff like that of how sensitive you are. So I think, honestly, I I, I would suggest everybody try and talk to someone who's a little bit more sensitive to try and get a, a feeling for what it would be like because it's – Although it has its ups and downs, I mean it's not a bad thing, right. and I, I'm, I'm 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 glad that you have your podcast. That I love listening mm-hmm. to you talk about like your experiences, you. uh, but some part of me makes me feel uh, a little bad that you have to that it would be so rare that someone would be able to talk about their sensitivity because it should be an open thing. Because I mean it's you know yeah there's it's you know the other side of of a coin that there are going to people who are super uh, lack of a better word. I'm going to say tough because I'm tired of saying not sensitive, <laughs> Uh, super tough and just kind of like, uh, um, and then on the, uh, but to, you know, the creative, the more, you know, like sensitive to things around, you need someone who's not. And I, I think the two working together makes like that complete awesome, you know, expectations of what we have for people mm-hmm. that, you know, are way above everybody's heads.
0: Mm. I think that is a great way to wrap this up. Al, thanks so much for being on the show today. Before I let you go, can you tell everyone where they can find you?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am on basically everything under the Introvert Guide or Introvert Extroverts. Uh, If you go to introextrapod.com or if you go to iTunes uh, for Introvert Extrovert, you can find the podcast that I'm on and that you have come on and talked uh, with us before. And then also, I'm on Tumblr, and for some reason, I keep getting a massive amount of subscribers, and I don't know why. But apparently, I'm doing something right, so check that out.
0: Humble brag. Yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, I I am enjoying it quite a bit because I get to my phone's constantly blowing up. Uh, but I also at the same time I don't know what to do with it. But I just keep posting stuff, and uh, people seem to like it. So check it out for yourself if you want to. Yeah, that's just a introvert guide on uh, Tumblr.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Al. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to that interview. You can check out the show notes for this episode at HighlySensitivePerson.net slash episode 67. And if you enjoy this podcast and want to support it financially, then please become a patron. Go to Patreon.com slash HSP. You can support the show by giving a donation in any amount. Even $1 is great at patreon.com slash hsp. And I want to give a special thank you to the newest patron, Rebecca. Thank you so much. I also wanted to let you know that I have a pretty exciting thing coming up in the near future that I've been working on. And that is a highly sensitive person, entrepreneur mastermind group. If you're interested, make sure you're on my mailing list You can sign up at HighlySensitivePerson.net and there I will keep you informed of all the things going on with that. I think it's going to be really great. I'm really excited about it. Thanks so much for listening today, everyone. Talk to you next time.